Of a dude who is in the Marble Hornets web series, which is an old web series about the Slender Man, that was pretty good. It's pretty pretty good back in the day. You'll never not impress me by your ability to recall old internet shit that I'm so unfamiliar with, but at the same time not know like the most viralist of videos from ten years ago. It's pretty wild. I recently revisited Marble Hunts, not watching it. I just wanted to see what their channel looked like now because it was an entire channel dedicated to this Slenderman mythos that they established, like with storylines and characters and like an ARG and stuff like that. Like it was pretty high concept for back in what, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And I was looking at every single one of their videos and every video has at least over 200,000 views and they have over 72 videos, which is wild. That's a lot of money, right? I mean, back in the day, yeah. If you Nowadays, to drop in the bucket. If you were to get 100,000 views on YouTube, how much does that translate to? Not much anymore, like 100 bucks. That's pretty good. I'll take 100 bucks from a YouTube video. <laughs> That's not that's that's the 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 ROI. The CGI does it does so it increase low. exponentially every hundred k? No. Okay, so it's like a hundred dollars per hundred k. Yeah, give or take. I'm pretty sure that's about what it is right now. So if so. I if I went quote unquote viral, one off video that gets two million views, what's that? What's that payday looking like? You might get a, like a thousand, couple thousand dollars. Oh, okay. But if I consistently get a million views, does it? bump me up into like a, a YouTube tax bracket where I, think I get you the... Can, I think you can argue with the... I think you can like get more ad revenue based on like your partnership manager, similar to how Twitch, you can get more of a subscription. Oh, you get a better cut. Yeah, I think you just get a better cut or you get better ads because people run more expensive ads in your channel. So... I, I wonder if it's harder now than ever. Well, I mean, it clearly is harder than now, than ever before to like make a new YouTube channel dedicated to like a series and be a relatively unknown person to create something interesting. Like if I want to make a TV show no one's ever heard of and I just start producing a high-end TV show on YouTube without selling anyone and it gets discovered, like what was just word of mouth is YouTube, if I, if I show YouTube like, hey, this is good quality, are you going to circulate me? They'll be like, fuck you, why are you even talking to us? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's why, like, something like, uh, I, I, I find myself pretty keyed in when it comes to a lot of entertainment media. Keyed is one of the names of my Reddit alt accounts. <laughs> keyed in. Keyed in. I'm going yeah. to look I spell it, up. it I spell it really weird, though, so it's hard to find. You spell it leet. What? No, I don't spell it. I'm not going to tell you how I spell it, but I just wanted to let you know that you triggered some some kind of association game because Keaton is the name of one of my Reddit alt accounts. That's a, that's a spoiler for anyone here. You're Keaton to... The Garbage Game Club. Ah, uh, yes. It's a Garbage I think, Game Club with Nick and Joey. I think that 
there's there's a world where where garbage game club could have been like a really dank YouTube thing, and maybe it's maybe it still is. Maybe there's no reason why these all shouldn't go on YouTube, and people should be like, I like them. Um, yeah, it's just like an extra step in the process. But surely we have the video files. I mean, I guess it's like a Patreon exclusive bonus. So that's why we don't put them on YouTube. But maybe we should put them on YouTube. I don't know if people on Patreon would care that much. I don't think they would care. I don't. I think some people would. And we might see like a like some. People Dude, angry. but what if we got a thousand views? We'd get like a dollar, right? Woohoo! No, you have to like have so many subscriptions on your channel before you can even monetize. Ah, so we would need like thousands of subscribers. Like, I think 10, we 000. have like eight hundred. You need ten thousand. Oh, or excuse okay. me. Yeah, ten thousand. You need ten thousand. Ten thousand to start making some moolah. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's rough. So, I mean, I mean, we have so many episodes, and I know that people would like what we're talking about. People like this stuff, and I'm sure people already do this show on YouTube, but they're probably less cool than us. They're less charismatic. They don't have a brick wall behind them. They don't drink out of cups that have rainbow poops. Most people just want to listen to the audio anyways. Get it on your podcast feed. Spotify, Apple. Raise five stars on Apple. Thanks, everybody. This is a plug. Also, patreon.com slash cybergarbage. Nick, what the fuck are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about a, an unknown game, because I, as I said, I consider myself someone who knows... Maybe not everything about like new games and stuff, but I know a lot about games that people don't aren't aware of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we are talking about a very special game that I had never heard of until you told me that we are going to play it for Garbage Game Club, and it is called Event Zero. Joey, how did you hear about this game? I think we have different different like we're we're like a Venn diagram where we're both kind of like video game hipsters. We play all the AAA stuff for the most part. Mm-hmm. We we're clued into big releases, we're clued into like indie games that do really well. We're clued into like some art project games that people like. But I think that we kind of occupy different different spaces where I think that you like you obviously have such like an infinitely stronger background in 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 Japanese leaning games than I do, and I think that I might have a little bit stronger background of like art games mm. or or like weird avant garde games. You can tell me to fuck off if you don't think that's true. I mean, I don't think that's true, but it's fine. That's I was like, gonna let you go uninterrupted until you prompted me. That's fine. <laughs> you are the one who just talked about not knowing what this game is when I presented it to you. So that's fine. You know, you're you're, you're really. That's giving, why it's unusual. You're giving that's two counter narratives. That's why here. it piqued my interest. Though. That's why you're giving two counter narratives here. We've done. We've it's like we, a we, lot. we found the Ring videotape. It's my equivalent of like, oh, I've heard like I've never heard about this, but now that I have, I I kind of have to check it out. Yeah, that's fine, Nick. You can keep living in your fantasy I world. Put it on my radar. Event Zero is a game that was brought to my radar um, from Reddit. A couple of years ago, mm. and then it was really cemented on my radar by um, by the Game Makers Toolkit YouTube channel, which is something that we've referenced in the podcast at least once before, I think, because they also featured Snake Pass um, a- a- as a game that I think was interesting to try out. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Here we are. A game that is interesting to try out. A game that, that we're trying as Event Zero. A game that is uh, different. It's like... A walking simulator, that's probably the, the genre that you could easiliest put this game into a box. It's a video but game short story. It's a video game short story that involves a, lo- a lot of walking around. So you are coming to a, a forgotten, abandoned space station. No, you're, you're actually, you begin the game uh, as a, well, which immediately kind of sold me and like endeared me to the game, is you are someone who grew up um, you kind of choose your background as mm-hmm. you get prompted into the game. And I chose someone who came from a war-torn country, and I found out I was Filipino. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's one of the few games that decides, like, hey, there's other things than white 
black or Japanese. How dare you? And so it's cool, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Filipino, I'm a, I'm a, a Pinoy, uh, because it does ask you your pronouns pretty right away. And then I was like, hold on, is this a game for SJW cucks, Joey? Guilty. Not Th- really. I got prompted he, she, or they. What's nah? It's fine. I chose he because that's what I identify as. Yeah, and the reason why the game asks your pronouns is because the major hook, the big thing, like yeah, okay, you're you're like a space explorer. You're on a mission for a company. You're going to check out what happened to like an abandoned station. You're trying to do some some recon, but the the big core loop of the game is that you are interacting with this station's AI. Kaizen. Kaizen. Kaizen is the AI. So it asks you your pronoun because it needs to know what the computer wants to call you. Mm-hmm. And how it references you. How it references you. Yeah. And so basically, um, you you go and you, there's a bunch of terminals which you can interact with Kaizen. And Every single room has a terminal kind of related to that room. Yes, 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 yes. And you... Uh, you aren't given a Mass Effect dialogue wheel or, or, a, or a telltale uh, press which button to give response to. You talk to Kaizen like it's, a, like it's a smart bot, like it's an AOL chat room person from ye olde days, like it's, like it's another human. It felt like a Google bot. You're given full access to type whatever you want into into kaizen in into the ai system and it responds to you like like you're having a conversation that you get to completely choose your own path with yeah and and initially when i discovered like oh okay this is one of those games where i'm going to be typing into a terminal and immediately i I put my guard up because i'm like oh man is this going to be like a text adventure where if i don't get really specific with my commands it's not going to like i'm sorry i don't understand that or it gets real snippy with you it's like i don't know maybe i can open the door but what do you want me to do and it's like oh just open the damn door but the game is pretty forgiving as far as what you type in the the um, command prompt field and it'll like it does a pretty good job of interpreting what you want, which is cool. I think only two or three times in the entirety of my playing this game, which is only about two hours, uh, did I ever type something where the robot's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, but it, it does it in a way where I never feel like I'm butting heads with the game. It does it in a legit, like a logical way where I feel like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense that a computer wouldn't understand the way yeah, this is These phrased. nuanced words I'm saying. I'm also like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have typed like I'm some kind of like, you know, history professor using big $10 words yeah. into this into this machine. No commas, no, no uh, quotation marks or anything like that. You just kind of give simple commands and that seems to do the best. But one thing that I found myself uh, kind of, I don't know if conditioned to just based on like, you know, I, I think this game is interesting based on where you come at it with your media literacy. Because people who have watched thousands of sci-fi movies, like myself, it's like immediately my guard is up when I'm talking to an AI that's the only AI in a ship that is devoid of human life. I'm like, okay, clearly this thing is probably like malicious to some extent, so I'm going to try being nice to it. And so I found myself saying, please open this door or thank you. And it'll always like, oh, you're welcome, buddy. You're welcome, partner. Thanks, friend. Stuff like that, which I was like, oh, this is a nice touch. But you, did you, how how did you approach this situation? 
Well, first off, I approach this situation a little bit confused. And not confused because of the game, confused because of the control scheme. Because your entire keyboard is a keyboard yeah. when you're playing. So if you want to move forward or back, it is your left and right mouse button. And if you want to talk about something that is huh, foreign, <laughs> unique, different, it's trying to rewire your brain to not WASD around a 3D environment or not use a joystick, but instead pressing my left mouse button to walk forward and my right mouse button to walk backwards. I was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. it took me it took me a minute because you're you're fighting the controls a little bit. I think that you don't really have that that degree of, of fidelity that you're quite used to. I mean, you're not trying to no scope fools either. Like it's pretty. No. It, it does. It, the game isn't demanding, but I get what you're saying. But I, I feel like I was able to adapt to it pretty quickly. But I do wonder though, why? That was a thing that I was actively asking myself. Why did they make the controls this way? Because in theory, I could use WASDA, hit enter, and then I'm immediately attached to a terminal, and then I go into typing mode. Is it just something that's difficult to program, different to code? Probably not, because I feel like they did a pretty good job making, making, this, an feel, AI. making this feel like a game. So I'm wondering if there's some sort of disconnect when it comes to like, no, this is for movement and this is just for interaction. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if there's more there. I think that was the goal, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is to make the keyboard just a keyboard as you interact with all these terminals. Um, I, I found myself... So, I, when I talk to an AI in real life, be it Google or the A word from Amazon that I can't say because there's one in our living room right <laughs> now... Um, I always find myself treating it like I would treat a person in the sense that I just say thank you. I think it's pretty ingrained in me in, in like my speech pattern. And I realize it's kind of dumb to tell an AI thank you. But at mm -hmm. the same time, whatever. No big deal. It's cool. So I, I approach the game in that same sense too. And not because I'm, I'm weary about, oh no, sci-fi robot space station. Raw. I'm just like, oh, I'm just you know, like, like, thanks. Mm. No problem. And not like as you grow with this AI through the game, there's like an invisible path structure and the game is either made easier or harder based on how much the AI likes you by how you treat it. So you can, Oh, really? Yeah. Which I don't think that, you know, because we, we were both nice for different reasons. I'm just a nice person, and Nick is skeptical of robots. <laughs> but the, like, one, one of the whole loops of this game is that actually is, is, the, um, is the relation between you and Kaizen based on how you treat it. And how you're like, yeah, if, if you're rude to it, if you're nice to it, if, if you're demanding, if you're confusing, you, you, can, you can go down different paths. And even though the gameplay is mostly the same, what you can do at the end, the actual end of the game, is determined by how nice or how not nice you are to this AI. Which is wild to me that, that the core of the game is decided by how you decide to treat a computer when it doesn't matter. See, I didn't know that there were multiple endings. I, I just got my ending and I was like, oh, cool. That was a neat experience. Um, the only time that I ever really ran into something that I was like, that changed how I interacted with Kaizen was 
after I explored, um, after I got shot out into space for the first time, I entered through the terminal door again, and then I was like, okay, I think I have to go back back outside. So I went back outside. Well, if you're mean to Kaizen, he won't open the door for you. Yeah, and that was the thing. I was like, I don't, I, I wasn't mean to you, Kaizen. Did I? What did I say wrong? I was like, I could have swore I was nothing but nice to Kaizen, and then it was like. Okay, well, if you're gonna be like that, then I'm. I could just let you die if you wanted. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna maybe just be a little more distant to you then. And I found the way I behaved with Kaizen changed after that moment. I just did was more like cut and dry, like open this door. I stopped saying please, and it didn't change Kaizen's behavior. But that one moment's like, are you gonna? do that again are you sure you want to treat me like this and i was like i'm not doing anything what's going on man clearly you were doing something (laughs) so i didn't know that i did not know that the kaizen changes because i imagine that all he does is kind of put you in more life-threatening situations when it comes to opening certain doors and kind of maybe impede your progress a little bit well when when you're getting towards the end of the game you're like making decisions about like you know do you let the ai live on basically Mm. And so you're you're allowed to do more or less things based on your friendliness toward the robot. Because if you like are building a relationship with Kaizen, then maybe you feel more apathetic to like, you know, it as a sentient being. Mm. And you're like, I don't need to destroy this, whatever. Like I'm just gonna peace out. Or maybe you do want to destroy it, or maybe you you find some kind of connection with the other humans who were on the space station who have left all these clues and notes for you of what to how to how to properly delete it, how to move forward, how to report back to to your home planet, right? Mm-hmm. So it's there, there's there's a lot of different branching paths at the end that are unlocked just by how you treat it. And it's not like the game ever tells you, like like you you play through that knowing. It's not like the game ever says like, oh hey, if you want to you know unlock the good ending, it's you better you know be a nice or a mean person. But it's just all going on in the background as you choose how to interact with this AI, which I think is interesting. And the interacting with the AI is fun. Yeah, it's cute. It has. I think this game would not work if this was just an AI that was, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Like, if it was very computerized. But Kaizen has a personality. Kaizen, yeah. Kaizen's kind of a jokester, um, kind of has fun, and he likes, I don't know, he just, it feels like someone who's lonely, who finally like, oh, someone finally came. I've been waiting for like 20 years to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of trying to chill with you. Yeah. Did you, did you uh, find yourself having natural conversation or spending more time with the robot just than you needed to? Oh, yeah, for sure. I just wanted to ask it a bunch of different questions like, who are you? Who made you? What, when did you realize you could talk to people? Stuff like that. And for the most part, it did a really good job of like talking to me and just answering questions and being inquisitive. Like It was interested that I was interested in it. Yeah, and that's... I, it's very easy, I guess, to... It's, I should never say it's very easy. But it feels like because there's some constraints around what you can talk to the robot about, what mm-hmm. you can talk to Kaizen about, that uh, I, I, I would love to see the word matrix behind the scene and how it actually analyzes speech. Because ultimately, this is like this is like a, like a speech robot that is laid on top of a game mm-hmm. versus the other way around. Like the game is built with Kaizen in mind and with that interaction between player and AI in mind before before any of the gameplay or the mild puzzle solving or the, oh, let's get into the BIOS or, oh, let's walk around the system. Like that's fine. But I, I, what, what, really, what I really took from this is just how, how interested I was in 
this this relationship and talking to to Kaizen. It, it really felt like a, an upgraded NPC in that, like, oh, this almost feels like I'm interacting with another player to some extent, and a, a player who is kind of role playing an AI. Yeah, imagine if. Imagine if you extrapolated that to like every AI, like you played cyberpunk, Mm -hmm. but every major NPC was a Kaizen level of intelligence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you can make a game like that. That, that feel like that'd be pretty complicated, each with their own unique personalities. Like I think because there is a certain minimalism to event zero that allows it to kind of really double down on the idea of a super NPC in kaizen yeah and i think that's what makes this game work i think that if you had multiple like if you had two competing ais then things might start to get a little bit tricky or weary some or tired i would love to see it maybe not a bunch of ais maybe just like a main quest giver like main companion well one thing that happens near the end of the game is you discover that anel has transferred her consciousness into um into the Nautilus, into the the spaceship, and she is kind of hidden within Kaizen. So I do wonder what a game would look like if you had Kaizen as your standard yellow text, and then you had Anel as the red text that you see randomly throughout the throughout the game. And I wonder if there's something to explore with two competing AIs, kind of like the idea of um, you know, there's like a uh, a mythical monster that with two heads that's guarding two different pathways in a forest. One head always tells the truth and one head is always lying. Like, I think there's something interesting there that kind of can be extracted from like this mythological parable and applied to a science fiction setting and kind of also layer in the idea that these things have two separate personalities. Um, obviously, that's not what this game does, but I just, this game makes me think, wow, wouldn't it be cool if other things started to utilize this same concept. Yeah. Um, do you do you think Event Zero is a good game? I think it is. I think it is a good game that I think it makes sense why this isn't a short story. I think it makes sense why this isn't a movie. Um, I think it's a good job of a storyteller team utilizing the medium of video games to tell a story that only video games can because like the story is pretty pretty standard sci-fi stuff but i think the beauty of it the kind of the 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 flourish of the game is in its interactivity with kaizen because you bring you bring to the game like with it your own preconceived notions of what an ai is and i think in exploring what those notions are you kind of make your own fun with the game. So I kind of wanted to test Kaizen. That's the way I approached it. And when I found that he was like a worthy adversary, like intellectually, I found myself more endeared to him. But I think there are people who could probably just be like, open door, go up elevator. And I think they might have less of a good time, but I think this is a game that stokes curiosity. And in stoking that curiosity, I think there's magic. I think you hit on something is that like this is something that can only be a game. Yeah, for sure. Which uh, is, I mean, and you can say that about a lot of stories. Like, oh, could you really tell a Dark Souls story without Dark Souls being a game? Maybe. Probably I mean, not, but I, maybe. I, I mean, I think you could because Hidetaka Miyazaki read books in English that he didn't really understand, but he understand every few words. So it's kind of he he took the concept of Dark Souls as far as like trying to interpret information that wasn't readily like it was kind of obscured information and kind of using his imagination to paste the story together um so i think like 
I do think that there is something to like how you can tell a story in a video game because of how you navigate an environment. Because even if you wrote this story in a book, I think the only thing that would work and maybe work is the wrong word, but the only thing that would be like hold a candle to this maybe is a choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. But even that has its own limitations set by the author mm -hmm. where you kind of like, okay, I can only choose these three lines. And again, this game has that too, but it gives me the illusion of choice because I know that when the credits rolled on this game, there are so many lines of dialogue that I didn't discover yeah. in, in my communication with Kaizen. And, and that is something special, I think. I think that Event Zero falls in a weird place for me, or that I, rec I like. I'm hesitant to call it a good game, but an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it does something similar to like Ober Din, which I want to put on a pedestal and be like, "Wow, look at this puzzle game!" That is something that can only be done in gaming. And where Event Zero is a lot of stuff that you can only do in gaming, it answers. It's it's a lot of interesting concepts, a lot of things that people. The rice is done, if you can hear that, by the way. There's a lot of interesting things that, that you know you, you can only do in gaming. Um, but I didn't always find myself having fun or being infatuated with it. There was times where I'm like, okay, I get what's going on. I'm enjoying this concept, but I'm also okay just like finishing up. I like that the experience is short. I think I got what I needed to out of it. It wasn't like drawing me in and making me forced to sit down and be like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. But I do think that it's an experience that people who like unique gaming experiences mm -hmm. should try absolutely it, it, it it's so unique in the sense that a that a snake pass or a baba is you or uh or an Oberdin is that you should be you know attempting that 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 level of of interesting ingenuity yeah and and going back to like is it a game i don't really know i think it's just an interactive experience like you said like i don't think there's a fail state in the game like maybe if you run out of oxygen but even that, I feel like that'd be really hard to do because, like, the game you never... off into space infinitely. Yeah, the game never feels like it's obfuscating information from you the way an adventure game would. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, if you ever get stuck, you can just ask Kaizen, like, what do I do now? And then he'll give you, like, pretty on-the-nose hints. It's like, cool. I'm glad that the game is forthcoming with how to proceed as it opposed to trying hard, to hide. Right? Yeah. Like it does it, 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 You can kind of... Something that Nick loves, set your own difficulty. Yeah. You you kind of, yeah, you set your own difficulty just based on, like, whether or not you're having a good time, really. And and I think the only time, and the only, and I really like the moment, is when you're in uh, Nandy's room for the first time, or the only time, and the window breaks. Yeah. And you get sucked out. I think that was the only time I felt panicked where I'm like, oh, shoot, what do I have to do? Do I have to open the door and then close it? Like, open the bathroom door and then close it from within? Oh, no, the computer terminal just broke. What do I do? Do I close myself in the bed? And then I got sucked out. And I was like, oh, that was really cool. That was a good, like, I think that's the climax, really. Like, that feels like the biggest moment in the game. And the rest is all kind of slow and chill. But I want to know what ending you got. Because I got the ending where... Uh, I was supposed to destroy the singularity drive, as Kaizen instructs you at the beginning of the game to do. And I got to the terminal. I got the code I needed. And I was just trying to figure out, like, okay, I don't want to destroy the singularity drive. That much I know. Because, like, I feel like Kaizen, not great. Because he starts getting real aggro at the end. And so I was like, what do I do? How do I try? I tried to do my best to, like, it says, some, Tyson says something, I was like, make sure you input the code correctly, otherwise you could jeopardize everything. And I tried putting the code in incorrectly, and that didn't do anything, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just type in the code. And then that's when everything destroyed, got blown apart, 
And then Anel was like, you idiot, you're ruining everything here. Jack yourself into the game, into the, the AI. And basically my character transferred their, their intelligence, their, their consciousness into the ship. And the two combined personalities of Anel and me overrid Kaizen's AI. And thus we were just uh, like digitized and, and became data. And upon returning back to earth, our data was being transferred back to Earth, and you kind of, I'm assuming, live a life of immortality via data, which is cool. I like that kind of stuff. That's neat. I let Anel take over when I'm on my merry way. Really? You can do that? Mm-hmm. So what, how did you do that? I, it's such a convoluted process. How? That I don't remember all of it, and I also don't want to spoil the later parts. You know, fuck, anyone who's doing it has played this game. You, you you get in the machine, and once you once you kind of hack in the machine, there's a bunch of different options for like who you can let take control. Really, I didn't get those options at all. Yeah, yeah, I just inputted the code, and I I honestly felt like my ending was good. I was like, cool. My I spent more time talking to Anel. Oh, okay. So that might have opened up some dialogue trees mm. inside of the machine. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. And so you just return to Earth and you're all hunky dory. Yeah, I'm like, peace out. I'm not. I don't need to. I don't. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be a computer forever. That's interesting. I'm gonna go See, my human way. I feel like my it ending was destroy everything too. I feel like my ending was happy though. It was like really beautiful, where the song plays the end of the world, but then it's just like, nah, you just live forever as data, dude. And I was like, sick. I don't want to live forever as data. That sucks. Oh, man, that's great. That's a cool idea. No, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll jack you into the USB machine drive and you can go <laughs> ahead and live forever, dude. You do you. Overall, Joey, did you, did you, is this a game that's going to stick with you? I think it's a game that I will think about under certain circumstances. I think it's a game that if I'm having like a really hipster gaming conversation with people, I'll be like, play Event Zero. <laughs> like it, it's on that tier of games but it's not like oh man fucking half-life or hollow knight or anything that 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 it lives in this s tier upper echelon of my mind and it's not even like my favorite game that involves a lot of like walking or talking mm-hmm. because if i had to weigh like like firewatch against event zero which is probably two games that i feel are close to each other even though they're they're worlds apart yeah i'd be like homie you got to play Firewatch before I'm like, yo, you got to play Event Zero. So it, it, it gets up there as like a game that I, that I think is important to try out because of how unique it is. And for people who love games, I think that, that, that there's something valuable in the novelty. But, I, but it doesn't like live in, in, in S tier in my mind. I, I think this game has, there's, there's like this running list of things, like features that games introduce that I'm like, oh, this is what the future of video games is going to be. Um, in God of War, it's Mimir never repeating stories or dialogue, and you always learn something new based on the world. Like, he's just telling you a story. Breath of the Wild's kind of um, emergent gameplay moments that I think are just going to be the staple of open world. The Last of Us has something that I'll tap into later on when we talk about that game inevitably. And I think this game, out of all of those games, probably has the most complicated feature that I hope gets implemented, and it's the open AI style dialogue tree with an NPC. Like I obviously it's easier for me to say the future of games is every NPC will have that kind of possibility, but like that cause one, that's very difficult to just do like, you know, that that's asking a lot, but like if it is feasible for that to happen, 
what a world that would be to live in like in a video game like if cyberpunk did have every npc with a personality and schedule with you could just type in something and then they would interact or react to it like that'd be incredible so if a game manages to do this that would elevate something like this is a feature that is just i think out of reach like it's something that i wish every game could implement i just don't know that you can no nah, and there'll be there'll be ways to do it i think yeah and and maybe it's more subtle and it's not like you know so so blatant or so upfront, but I, I I think that people I think that people in like the GDC world look at events yeah. and they're like, this is interesting. Yeah, for the same reason you why you can play events and be like, this is interesting. Agreed. Maybe wait for a sale. Twenty bucks for a two-hour game. Yeah, wait wait for. A I, sale. I I would have been a little bit burned, but also at the same time, like that's ten bucks for a pretty like ten bucks an hour for a pretty interesting experience. Like that's fine. That's what you pay for a movie ticket. But for some people, that might be a little steeper. Yeah, wait, wait for a sale. Get a, get on the good old GOG whenever it's whenever it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Like Steam sale, Steam $9.99. sale right now, half off. It's only half off. Yeah, if it was five, five dollars, I'll tell you all to buy it. Yeah, right five four ninety nine. I think the sweet spot. But that, that feels weird to try and justify a game that we clearly both like. But just you know, it it it's an it's an odd. It's it's a it's a unique one, but Joey, you should you should try. I think what we're trying to say is, in a lot of words, you should try it. Unless you're someone who only plays like super triple A titles and you only get like erections for The Last of Us, you should try Event Zero. It's probably worth your time. It's interesting. It'll make you think a little bit. But you were gonna ask me. I think you were gonna ask me. What are we doing for the show next week? What's the next game? What's the next game? I think the game that we're both going to finish next, which is apt for next week's Garbage Game Club is a game that we've been neglecting for a hot minute, and that's because we didn't have the means to play it. That all. But now we do. Are you, are you talking about... But I think... The, the sequel that's been long in the works? I'm, thinking of, I'm talking about the game that I haven't played uh, a new iteration of for, I don't know, a million years? It's not Last of Us. No, it's not Last of Us. <laughs> I swear to fucking God, Nick's never going to finish Last of Us because he's distracted because we got a, we got an index. Oh, so all buddy. he's doing is playing Half-Life. I'm playing uh, Half-Life, Alex, So, all, so we're going to finish that game before Last of Us because I don't know if Nick's... I, my hypothesis is Nick's actually doesn't like Last of Us at all, so he's ignoring playing it, so it's taking me longer to get to it. That's my hypothesis. He, we can talk about this later. We'll find out if that's true. In probably the week after, I don't know. We'll see. If you if you ever finish the game, I think I'm I think I'm almost done with Last of Us. I'm at like 17 hours. Jesus, it's a it's a long game. It's a long game. It's too long. We shouldn't comment on that yet. (laughs) Next game we're gonna play is Half Life Alex, which is a game that is probably the hardest game for you to play before you listen to it if you don't have a way to play VR. Us with a silver spoon in our mouth. if, if, If you're someone who can't play it. I forgive you. And if you don't want to listen to the show, I also forgive you because I wouldn't want to listen um, either. Yeah, I, ugh, that's a tree. That, that's a Sophie's choice, you know? What are you going to do? I avoided everything about the game. I have too. I have not seen, seen a single second of the game outside of that reveal trailer. So I, every time anyone started talking about it in a podcast, I just was like, Fast forward 40 minutes. I might miss the entire podcast, but I don't want to spoil a single dang thing about Half-Life Alex. And uh, I think you guys will be very interested in hearing us talk about it. But until next time, make sure you wash your hands, don't touch your face, and back us over on patreon.com slash cybergarbage. Yeah, what next? Back us at the $5 
level. And if you want to sample the goods for free, download the podcast on Spotify or Google Play Podcast or whatever the podcast app you on Android is. You get the video is. version if you back us on Patreon. You get the video version. Maybe you'll like that. And then you could also leave us a rating, five stars only. I think everything else is broken, so just give us five stars. Thank you all. Cheers. And have a good one.